What up, survivors? Welcome to D180, the horror movie podcast, taking you on a ride. Thanks for coming. I'm AJ. And I'm Jenny. I don't think this is what Akon and Jeezy meant. <laughs> Guess you got to keep on moving now. We're talking about Soul Survivors today. It's a 2001, very 2001 movie that's now streaming on Hulu if you guys haven't seen it. There is an actual killer cut that's rated R, but let me just be the one to tell you right now. The killer cut does it no favors, <laughs> personally, um, unless you're like me and you know where to dig to find things like that. You can purchase the killer cut on Amazon if you want to, but you know, if you're like me, then very easily accessible. However, before we go on, park recommendations. I know y'all like, damn, you got into that fast. Well, I mean, shoot, here we are. (laughs) If you vibe with this movie, then you'll definitely like this movie that came out in 2002 called They. And if you've seen the movie already, you kind of know where the similarity lies. It's it's different, but you know, it's kind of the same. Once you see it, you'll see what I'm talking about. So I would recommend that one. And that's really the only one I'm going to do. I think the last two weeks, I've only been recommending one movie because I'm just like, you know what? Why? Why? <laughs> And it's no shade to the movie because this movie could have been more or it could have at least been that type of movie that you're like, I see where they're going, but we just didn't get there. But also not to mention that this movie came out days before 9-11, definitely messed up the box office, probably wasn't going to be all that anyway, let's just be honest. But that definitely hurt it. Definitely hurt. Because I'm pretty sure everybody forgot about this movie. I never heard of it before, you know. I never heard of it. I only found it because, once again, sourcing movies for the podcast. And I'm just like, okay. I'm seeing this one pop up on a lot of lists that goes like college horror movies that you've never heard of. College movies that are worth watching, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay. Eliza Dushka in it. You know, everybody knows she was like the it girl of the 2000s. You could not see her anywhere in the 2000s. So with that being said, I'm just like, okay, well, you know, it might be like, because, you know, Wrong Turn came out in 2003. This obviously came out beforehand. But if you've seen the Wrong Turn movies, well, you know, she was decent in that one. And then here we come with this movie. And the one thing I'm just going to point out right now why, why <laughs> did they do our main character like this? First of all, if you guys notice in your park guide, if you turn to your park guide, the poster doesn't even have her on it. Don't be fucking rude. Like I said, I hadn't seen the movie yet. So I'm on the assumption that this is Elijah's movie. Who? I, you know, I'm like, uh, is her name Elijah or Alicia? I'm calling her Elijah. It's Eliza. <laughs> Eliza. There we go. My bad. I ain't looked at this girl name in years. I'm just going off. I'm calling her anything. Anyway, I'm thinking this is Eli. No, I really just sat here and called her Elijah like three times. And I was saying, hmm, I think it's because her last name is Douche Cool. And I'm thinking of that H. Anyway, 
I'm thinking this is a movie about Eliza. I'm thinking she's the main character. Obviously, don't know what this is about. Melissa Sage Miller isn't even on the cover that I nope. used for this. And when you do see the main cover, she's all the way in the back as if she's like a supporting, supporting character. Whole time, she is the main character. I feel like they did that because if you look at her acting credit, she didn't really have nothing going on then. And Eliza, didn't she just come out of doing Bring It On? Yeah. And I mean, that's fine. And it's like, I get why you have her in the front. But it's just like, um, can you at least put the girl <laughs> next to her or something? I get it. I know we have to sell the movie. And at the time, like I said, she was the it girl at the time. Eliza was. That was her. She was in Jen. I mean, she was in Jennifer's body. She was in Buffy. <laughs> yep. Buffy. Her name was Faith and Buffy. She did Faith, that. There she we did go. Angel first and then was in Buffy. So I understand yeah. you got Casey Affleck, you got Matt, like you have all these people that have power. Then here comes Melissa Sage Miller, which is your lead, but you know she doesn't have that much to her name, and I get it. But I'm like, Jesus, you could at least put her where you guys have West Bentley. Like, I don't know, like <laughs> put the two boys in the back. <laughs> I'm just like, y'all just doing my girl, like, all kinds of wrong. I mean, but, you know they wasn't going to put Casey in the back. <laughs> I mean, they dang near got him off to the side by himself. You might as well just push him back a little bit further. Might as well. And you should have because he says that this is the worst movie he's been in anyway. Right. He really did. <laughs> and honestly, I don't blame him for saying feeling that way. It's like, you know me, I got like, I have, I have feelings toward this, but before we get to the rest of them, this one was directed by Stephen Carpenter, written by Stephen Carpenter. And usually when I get movies that are directed by the person it's written by, I'm more for it because in that aspect, they kind of know what they want and they know what they're looking for, obviously, because they wrote it. In this case, I have reservations, but it's produced by Stokely Chavin. The cinematography is by Fred Murphy. This movie was edited by Janice Hampton and Todd C. Ramsey. Now I bring up the editors. As I said, there's a PG-13 cut and then there's the killer cut, which is rated R. If you've seen the killer cut and you've seen the PG-13 version, there are stark changes to the movie in my opinion does not help the movie at all if anything it kind of mm, i won't say confuses you because if you're paying attention you you get it but when you look at the killer cut compared to the regular cut some things are just kind of like now wait a minute okay well why does she have that on now because she just had this one and y'all know I be clocking stuff like that, but I will get into it. If you see me, you already know what I'm talking about, okay? The entire reason they came out with the killer cut in the first place, as I said, the killer cut does have more kills, more blood, lots more blood, but they opted to be safe and just, you know, go with a younger audience because that was going to bring in more money. And usually, as I said, the killer cut, you're not going to, you have to be able to find that. So if you watch this on Hulu, you definitely watch the PG-13 version. If you watch it on YouTube, <laughs> it's the PG-13 version. You really got to dig or buy the Killer Cut version, like I said. 
if you're curious what's in the R-rated version. You don't have to worry about spoilers because it's only one thing in the R-rated version that does not happen in the PG-13 version. But I will be telling you everything. And if you still want to buy it just to see how it goes, I mean, I'll go ahead and link that down for you because I bought it myself. <laughs> I just want to witness the extra features because I'm curious. Wait, so if you had bought it, like, you know, you go to um, Amazon Prime and it's like buy whatever, it, you will buy the Killer Cut versus the... The PG-13? The killer cut. Yeah, it literally says killer cut on it. See, if I had known that, then I would have just bought it. Or yeah, and it's, it. it's literally the same price as if you would have rented it anyway. Like, just about. Like, give a dollar or two is literally the same price. But in this case, you get a shiny little reflective case that, like, moves in the light. <laughs> and it says killer cut on it. And, you know, it has, like, the special features and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. I talked about the cast for a little bit, but of course, you have Melissa Sage Miller. I'm going to start with her because she's actually our main character, even though they're not treating her like it. But we have Melissa Sage Miller as Casey. She was in movies like the one that they have that she's most known for. It's not even a movie. She was in the series Chicago PD. I really didn't recognize her from anything, but she looks familiar. She looks like somebody, and I don't know who she looks like. I didn't recognize her from anything. She might look like somebody else that's famous or something, but she looked like somebody, and I just couldn't figure it out. But you know what? She is in that movie, Get Over It, with Cisco. I, um... It's a, it's a 2000s movie. Very, or it's a very... Because <laughs> it's, it's not ringing any bells to me. Maybe like, if I see The only reason I know it is because Cisco's in it. And I remember him being in a movie. I just don't... It's not ringing any bells. With his platinum hair. Yes, he is. He is all up in it. And then you have Wes Bentley, who plays Matt, who I personally thought did a good job in this movie, especially for what his character called for. But you might recognize him from American Beauty. Um, he's in a lot Hunger of stuff. Games. He's just, yeah, I'm like, he's just one of them faces you know. Like, y'all know I'm not into Hunger Games, so I want to clock the that Ghost one. Rider. Inter oh, yeah, he is in Interstellar because he's also in Interstellar with Casey Affleck. Isn't Casey Affleck in that movie, too? I know I wasn't tripping. He is in their movie. So they both end up working together later on in life, which is always cool. Casey Affleck. I don't really have to give him much intro, but gone, baby, gone. Manchester. <laughs> Oceans. Yeah. Y'all know him. Then we get a cameo from freaking Luke Wilson when he popped up in this movie. And like I said, when I use that poster that I used, I don't know if it even has his name on it. I could check later in the souvenir shop. But when he popped up in this movie, I was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> What's going on? Why are you here? We all know who yeah, this person is. Yeah, I It's like, oh, wow. I mean, everybody has to start somewhere. I mean, can't be like that. But that's basically our main cast that we're going to be dealing with today. I mean, shoot. He was on screen, too. Legally Blonde went into Blades of Glory. I mean, those movies, not this, though. That's true. Exactly. I'm like, nah, yeah, those not this though. But you know who was supposed to be Sean? <laughs> James Marsden. But he passed on this movie so he can be in the X-Men as Cyclops. You got lucky. So one thing before we go on, I just want to let you all know, this movie was taped in Chicago. And there are scenes of this movie that are taped in Gary, Indiana. And let me tell you something. 
I peeped before I even looked that up, okay? So there's a scene, obviously, when they're driving away and you see, like, the Chicago skyline. And I said, now, wait a minute. I know this ain't Illinois. But then, <laughs> when they pull up to the church, y'all, this church, all my Gary, Indiana listeners, actually my Indiana listeners, because at some point you've probably been to Gary. It's that church that's over on Fifth Avenue across the street from 21st Century that's, like, all boarded up, but they won't tear it down. They might have torn it down by then. I don't know. But... Y'all know what church I'm talking about. That church is in this movie, y'all. And it's like an actual, like, setting. It's a party up in there. And we all know that in 2010, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake also came to Gary to come film at that same location. My ass was trying to be in that movie. I was trying to lurk <laughs> around the set. It did not work. Like, my best friend had her, uh, well, she didn't have an apartment. She lived with her mom. We were in high school. Their apartment was over by that church and we would see like the lights and all of that stuff. I'm trying to go over there. I was a senior in high school. I ain't know no better. <laughs> I also want to say movie. Don't you ever, when you credit your locations, don't you ever leave Gary out. You had some of the biggest plot points take place there and you just gonna not mention it in the end credits. I see you and I did take that into my rating. So just know. Oh and my gosh. <laughs> I sure did. I sure did. Well, with that being said, you ready to go to the queue line? Yes, ma'am. Howdy, survivors. Please keep your tips and limbs inside the vehicle and remain seated at all times. Hang on to your personal belongings, especially your minds and spines. Because this here's a doozy. Janae, Janae, Janae. I'm scared. You knew I was going to say, you knew I was on some fool, huh? We're not playing a game today. This is not a game. Watching this movie triggered some memories in me. And before I tell my story, I wanted to know, have you ever had a near-death moment in college? No. Well, I guess this segment will be about me today. <laughs> just pushes you out the way. <laughs> All right, guys. In the movie, our main character just loves <laughs> to walk by herself at night. Here's my story. I was a freshman in college, Indiana State. And they always warn you from, you know, walking alone by yourself on campus, especially at night. The guy I was dating at the time, it's always more than likely always the same guy when I'm talking about college, but anyway, it's not the point. Um, kid I was dating at the time lived in the quads. I stayed in the freshman dorms. Now these dorms were literally on opposite ends of the campus, but they're connected by a main street. And all you have to do is just literally walk down the street and you're there, right? A lot of trees, a lot of buildings, a lot of things to duck behind, like it's a lot. It's different when you're walking at night versus when you're walking at day. So I am being a little fast girl, whatever. Leaving my dorm, walking to his dorm, it's like dang near close to midnight, right? I'm walking. I have him on the phone. 
He says, give me a second. Somebody's calling me. I'm going to call you right back. Just keep your phone in your hand. I do so. I'm walking on the left side of the street. All of a sudden, like, it, it seemed so perfect because it was just eerie. I'm hearing all of the little cracks and things under my feet. All of a sudden, I see somebody down the street and they're walking towards me. And it's like, of course, it's like cars parked, but it's not like cars driving by. Like, it was really dead on campus, and I'm surprised because I don't remember what day it was. But for it to be this dead on campus, it was, it was doing things to me, y'all. I'm walking down the street, I'm looking at the figure, I'm trying to watch them. And per usual, especially like as we are, you're gonna get nervous, right? Cause you just, you just thinking like, okay, I got my keys tucked between my fingers. I'm just like, if I gotta go, I gotta go. Okay, just gotta get ready. I decide that maybe I should cross the street. So I cross the street. Why does the person walking towards me cross the street too? I'm just like, Oh, no. <sighs> like the anxiety is just building up because now I'm like, okay, I can either like duck into like one of the buildings or go through campus. Like, so I can like be into the thick of it or something, or just keep walking straight and just hope that this person ain't on no bull. It's time for me to make a decision because this person is getting close. They got a hood on and everything. I'm just like, oh, gosh. I'm trying to call kid back. He's not answering. I'm just like, okay, well, let me just act normal. If I just act like I'm not scared, maybe they won't like mess with me. The person walks past me, right? I'm walking, I'm like, okay. But I'm still trying to like be on high alert. Why does like about 10 steps, I just hear, I took off, I took off, I took off. I ran and I did not stop running until I got to his quad and I'm calling, I'm trying, I don't want to bang on the door because like he lives in a quad so he stays with four other guys. Like I said, it's like midnight. I can't remember what day it was, like if it was a school night or a weekend. But it No, I, I wouldn't have banged night. on the door. Yeah, like I like, I'm just like trying to knock and I'm trying to call him and I hear the footsteps coming. I'm like, damn, this person is about to come get me, drag me down these stairs and fuck me up, y'all. It was a prank. What? It was him the entire time. I would have broken That's why he got off the phone. That's why he wasn't answering when I was calling. And the only reason I didn't like recognize it was him when he walked past me was just because, like I said, it was really dark, super tall. Like he, he was tall, like tall, tall, tall loomy michael myers type figure coming towards me i'm not looking i'm trying to stay on the straight and narrow so i can have my life and like i don't know i don't know if they like borrowed somebody else's jacket but i didn't recognize like any of the articles of clothing so they fooled me very well and they had the hood on and down so like i can't see anything and like i said i'm trying to focus on my life when i say yeah oh my no. god it would have been over I really thought y'all was about to see your girl on Dateline, NBC. <laughs> I was just like, no, I'm about to fight y'all. I'm about to be one of them girls. They was like, it was pieces of skin under the fingernails, <laughs> traces of hair. On, I was not going to go down without a fight, y'all. Y'all knew, like, mm -mm, I am a final girl through and through.
<laughs> girl was gonna fight. I don't know how far I was gonna make it, but just know I was not going down that day. And I think about this moment all the time. And this girl in this movie <laughs> kept making me think about it, but I had to tell my story. <laughs> if you guys have any near death experiences in college, you can hit us up on our Twitter. <laughs> And tell us about it. I will definitely enjoy those stories. I mean, who knows? If you want us to, maybe next episode we can talk about some of those stories on here. But without further ado, you guys can buckle up because this movie is something else. We're about to take a ride on 2001's Soul Survivors. Perpetual light wash over them. May they rest in peace. For every soul taken. Sometimes I feel like he's still here with me. I mean, really here. There is one left behind. Who is he? You gotta get out of here, girl. Because I feel like dancing. For every new love. I'll set up for nothing less than friends for life. Deal. And one kiss. We're in the room for the first time, Cass. We can do anything. No boundaries. There is one that won't die. I saw it. I'm worried about you, Cassie. Sean's not coming back. Cassie. You think I'm crazy? I am not crazy. getting out of here. I'm not going anywhere. I like it here. There's no one out here. He was here. He was... He was right there. You're in trouble. I'm wondering if the 2000s there was just a trend of like tell us the whole story to get us in the theater i didn't like the trailer i mean i didn't either it um that's really all i can say about it i didn't like the trailer based on the trailer i would have never watched this movie ever just based on like the only appeal to this trailer is eliza and west to be honest I guess that's why they're on the front of the cover and everybody else is in the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even after I, watching the movie, I still am here for Eliza and Wes. You know what? I get, It's time. Let me press my little ish talking button. <laughs> the opening of this movie gave me major Powerpuff Girls vibes. If, if Not you... Powerpuff Girls. If you know, you know, when the title card for the Powerpuff Girls comes on, it's like obviously showing the title card. It sounds like that music or it sounds like 2000. Well, wow. Does this make them late? Because this song didn't come out till 2008 and Soul Survivors was 2001 and did it first. But Black Eyed Peas told us that we were so 2008 and we were 3000 and late. But clearly this sound was out before. So are they the late ones? Maybe. 
No. <laughs> Y'all probably like, Ashley, you can't ever focus. Dang. But I'm sorry. It, it, it made me think of it. You tell me you didn't play the opening credits and you didn't get Powerpuff Girls or Black Eyed Peas. That, that was just the vibe that it was giving. But in the R-rated version, we get an opening scene cue. There's a co-ed student named Kathy. She's leaving the same frat house that we'll come to later. It's a little boy. He's trying to get her to stay. Why you can just come downstairs and ask her to stay? Like, you're just going to yell out the window and throw a bottle at her. I mean, he missed, but still. Kathy's like, you know, first of all, let me talk about Kathy's outfit. Because Kathy's outfit is super cute. It looks like something we would literally wear right now. She has like a crop top. It's cut up in the middle, like with a little shoestring tight design deal crisscross. Leather pants. And a little blue jean jacket. And it literally looks like an outfit I wore this weekend. But of course, we know that as of now, we're in the era of the early 2000s anyway. But the way that this girl literally looks like she could be walking around in 2021 right now. Cute. I love it. Kathy's walking home. All of a sudden, just like I just told you guys in the queue line, this man starts following her. And she peeps game. And of course, she gets nervous, as she should and starts walking faster. But literally a short while after, she gets grabbed by him. So here we see Hideous Dancer and Death Mask. And that's just their names. I didn't make these up. Those are legit their names. They pull her into an abandoned alley, gag her. They slice up her arteries. But also when they do this, they mark her with this little coat symbol. And the coat symbol... If or like guys, brand her... The cult symbol, thank you, strongly resembles the cult of thorn symbol from the curse of Michael Jackson. Who? Michael Jackson. The curse of Michael Myers. Well, guys. I was like, what movie is that? I was was (laughs) like, Michael Jackson had a curse movie? And why did I hear about this? Just can you just imagine in the ghost video for Michael Jackson, they just had like cult symbols. They would have they would have took him out the game. They would not have let him live that down if he had a symbol. I mean, he does have a symbol, but no, guys, I'm in Michael Myers. Anyway, if you know the Coats of Thorn, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It literally looks the same. The only difference is the Coats of Thorn symbol has more of a tail at the top. They slice Kathy's blood into this little bowl, and this comes back. Does it make a big deal? I don't know. You could tell me what you think, but they kill her, and we cut back. To Casey packing for college, whereas in the PG-13 version, after the opening credits, it just goes to Casey packing away from college. Do you remember packing up for college? I packed for vacation and for college. So my freshman year, um, we actually I just got back from Myrtle Beach, but we would go to Myrtle Beach every single freaking year for vacation. And I went to South Carolina State University, which is in Orangeburg, South Carolina. And so we meshed our family vacation with taking me to college so it's like normally you think like okay I'm gonna take all my gift cards and stuff that I got from graduation parties and I'm gonna buy all my stuff and then I'm gonna go down no I can only pack my clothes that I needed for like the first semester and then packed up my vacation stuff too we went to vacation for a week in Myrtle Beach and at the end of the week they dropped me off at college for bank camp I was not like that at this point I was a 17-year-old Libra, and my Aries rising was running the show. My mom is a February Pisces. 
I don't know her big three, but whatever it is, me and her, we we will go at it. Baby, let me tell you something. It was the 4th of July and I had boxes packed. I was ready to get the F out. <laughs> uh, our relationship is different now, but then sis could have caught these hands like I was ready to go like we had a sunroom every day I would be just packing away clothes and I was like you know nobody really tells you for college for real or maybe they do nobody told me that I didn't need to take everything you know I was like taking my winter things like I when I said I was leaving I was leaving okay (laughs) I was out yeah I, I left my winter stuff at home like when I came back um, for like Thanksgiving and winter break, then I brought back stuff. But you know, South Carolina didn't get but so cold. So yeah, and even then, like I said, my Indiana listeners, you know that Gary ain't nothing. The first drive, when you first drive to Terre Haute from Gary, that's always the longer one because it's the first time. But once you get used to it, it really ain't nothing. I did not come home my freshman year. I left early in the summer because, like I said, I had dance camp, so we were there earlier than everybody. I did not come back home until Christmas break. I was you going home for Thanksgiving. Entire. No, I did not. I stayed on campus. Did not want to go home. Did not care to go home. <laughs> like when I say I was one of those teenagers, I was one of those teenagers. Like I was just like. Mm, I was on 10. <laughs> Things are different now, guys. So, you know, I don't want to fight my mama no more. Sometimes, not all the time, but yes. <laughs> I'm going to find out her big three so I can tell y'all. But whatever it is, we we be clashing. Like, we, okay? And my poor dad. Did I tell y'all my mama big three? You did plenty of times. <laughs> Um, my dad, my poor dad, he's a cancer, so he's just caught between this Libra and this Pisces. And but back to Cassie, she's packing away, preparing to leave the whole time. Her boyfriend and her ex boyfriend, Matt, are outside putting her things in the truck. And I'm like, oh, this how you doing it? Okay. Um, shortly after, they scoop up Matt's new boo, Annabelle, who is Eliza's character. And they set off for school. And this is when I was like, yeah, we are definitely in Chicago. I'm glad you did these establishing shots, some justice. But it also kind of triggered a thought of me. If they're freshmen, why aren't her parents taking her to school? I thought that I too, because I was like, I can't relate. Yeah, I was like, I can see if this was like sophomore year or any of those years after that, because your parents are like, okay, I don't care, whatever, do what you want. But freshman year, I'm like, usually, I mean, at least Justine's parents at least dropped her in a parking lot. I mean, and you know, Annabelle, I find some you way. only had one little suitcase? Yeah, I was just like, this is, and then like the apartment that she moves into is like fully furnished. Like, what is this? What is happening? But anyway. Well, actually, I can get down with the fully furnished apartments, especially since the apartment did have like the Whitmore College or whatever logo on the front of the building. So we had um, apartments that were fully furnished for college students. So that kind of made sense to me. I mean, yeah, but they would be like, it wouldn't look like that, though. Like we had fully furnished dorms, but they all the stuff, you know, it looked a certain way 
yeah like it looked like she had a studio like she worked at a marketing firm somewhere and all this um furniture just came in for, off the delivery truck like this did not look anything school distributed <laughs> but yeah um later that night they end up attending a party at omega pi epsilon but it's it's not it's not it and that's always the worst especially if he was holding out to go to that party i'm just saying no we have to go we have to find something else to do and this party is filled with hating hoes with thin eyebrows girl them eyebrows i could not y'all was really over there sniggling and giggling talking about my girl with them thin rainbow eyebrows for real it's it's whatever I thought it was so cute how Sean like came up to like comfort her. Like he kind of like knew that she felt out of place. So they end up going outside and they have a moment. What's up is Casey and Sean, they're going to be going to different colleges. And y'all know how that is at that age. Maybe not John because she'll tell me real quick. She ain't had this experience, but I don't, you know why I don't know. You want to know why I don't know? Why? Because my boyfriend at the time that I had my senior year, he broke up with me a month before prom. So I ended up taking Shaquille because the little nigga broke up with me a month before prom. Oh, wow. So that's why I went to college with a clean slate. Wow. (laughs) Intense feeling, y'all. Intense feelings. But Sean assures her that, you know, I'm always going to be here. All you have to do is come to this pavilion and just think about this moment. I'll always be with you. You know that. You know how it is. The power of love, y'all. Annabelle suggests that they go to a club situated at this old church, a.k.a. Gary. <laughs> and after they enter the club, they're marked. Now, if you saw the killer cut, you saw the bowl that they poured Kathy's blood into. They use that same bowl. And it's in a PG-13 cut, but obviously you have no idea what it is if you didn't see the killer cut. The bowl that has Kathy's blood in it, that's what they use to kind of like brand everybody as they walk into the club i was like that's weird as fuck like what what would possess you to burn someone's hand upon entry like now you're branded for life and then also who parties in the band of church that's weird i've never done it but i'm like i can't sit like ambience just like in bones <laughs> when they rented that old apartment and turned it into a club like i, I literally think it's just the vibe it's the aesthetic an old apartment, I get, but a church, I would feel all weird. I get it. It looks like a vibe to me. I don't know if I would be able to pass the vibe check in this party, but, you know, it looks like they're having a good time. Inside, KCC's death mask, you know, the guy, he's wearing the clear plastic mask, and the other one that I mentioned, Hideous Dancer, he's kind of like the Michael Myers, he's the muscle of the group, basically. She spots them while she's on the dance floor. And all of a sudden, Death Mask comes out of nowhere and tries to, like, push up on her and grab her. She ain't with it. So she goes outside of the club with Sean. And see, I'm with her because there's a way to do this, people. Like, you can't just be grabbing people trying to get them to dance with you. There's a technique. There's a there's an etiquette. First of all, don't do it at all. But if you are going to do it, there's an etiquette. Don't just be grabbing people up in the club, okay? Meanwhile, in the parking lot, Matt, this is the beginning of Matt being creepy. 
He's eavesdropping on Sean confessing his love for Cassie. Although Cassie claims that she feels the same way, she just can't say so. Poor Matt, he is sitting with that flask, a hurt, especially when Sean asks, are you still thinking about Matt? Like, homie really thought he had a chance. Like, his eyebrows perked up and everything. And she was like, no. And he's like, oh, crushed. So sad. So guess what? Matt commits a party foul, interference, cock blocking. And Sean ends up going back inside to get Annabelle, bumping into the man now accompanied by a lady named Raven, as Matt seizes the opportunity alone with Cassie to convince, more like guilt, her into giving him a last goodbye kiss. See, here's the thing, y'all. They've been broken up for a year, literally a year. Cassie done moved on and she in love with Sean. And Matt has moved on with Annabelle, but I'm guessing, you know, he still got feelings and he laid it on super thick. I'm like, you can't just be doing that. That's not fair. You can't just be doing that to people. We out. Like, you couldn't do this. I don't know. You need to do this some other time. He was reminding me of one of my exes in this moment, and I just could not. Mm -mm. The worst type of flashbacks. Right. Of course, they end up kissing. And of course, Sean sees this. And he ain't happy about it. And ends up giving Casey the silent treatment as they drive off. Let me tell no, you something. No, Sean should have his ass. He should have. Because honestly, it could have been worse. Because soon as he opened the door, I thought he was about to set it off. But he didn't. And also, how did Annabelle not see this? She was drunk. Probably on some other shit, too. And was not Also, Matt is an ish starter. Because the whole time, like, this situation is happening... He's looking at Sean to like see what his reaction is and just acting like he ain't do nothing in the first place. I'm like, wow, you are a great A-ish starter. And them eyebrows not helping. Them eyebrows ain't helped him through this entire movie. And every moment his eyebrows made me feel uncomfortable, I mentioned it. So if you guys want to make a drinking game out of me talking about Wes Bentley's eyebrows, go for it. Because I bring it up a lot. They didn't scare you? You know, I wasn't looking at his eyebrows, so. <laughs> y'all, also in combo with the fact that he has blue eyes. Y'all already know blue eyed people freak me out. Oh, my gosh. Not all, but his blue eyes with them eyebrows and that haircut. It's, no, it's a part in the movie specifically where I jumped and it was just him. Because he's creepy. <laughs> like, Oh, no. Because if he walked in my room right now, I would feel like he's going to kill me. Not kill you. Like, yeah, no, I'm saying like it's it's not a detriment to the movie. I feel like it works for the movie because in the grand scheme of things that works for his character. But I was just like, I don't like this. Meanwhile, while Cassie's trying to get Sean to talk to her, the men and Raven drive past them and do a total 180, blocking the road, causing Casey, who keeps trying to talk to Sean, not paying attention to the road, crashes into their car. This car accident was brutal. Yeah. If they didn't shoot nothing else right in this movie, 
I felt this car crash. Like I was just like, oh, wow, like this is a very good shot. But the next memory that Casey has is her being rushed off into the hospital where the surgeon asked how much she's had to drink. And then we, you know, see clips of another surgeon too. But I will come back to that. What ends up happening is she, Matt, and Annabelle are unharmed by the accident, even though y'all saw how crazy the accident was. They got some little bruises and stuff, but Sean has been killed on impact. And after Sean's funeral, Annabelle tries to get Casey to come back with them. I call her Casey Cassie, whatever. I'm call her Cass. Annabelle tries to get Cass to come back with her, but as expected, you know, trauma is a lot going on. She's kind of having in and out thoughts about going back to school. Now, in the killer cut, this scene is different. It doesn't really change anything, if that makes sense. It's just cut different. Like, the funeral scene is actually shorter. Um, Pastor McManus will come to him later. He's actually officiating the funeral. And the scenes of her, like, walking through the school are, like, slightly different. That's all. But... In all, she still has her stare out the classroom window moment. She's looking at the pavilion, but of course, you know, she's missing out on the lesson in front of her. And anytime we're in a school, you always know that the lecture always has something to do with the movie, right? As the professor points out, this test that she has to take is critical. First of all, let's talk about this girl not sharing her study guide. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it made sense. But I was like, dang, sis, you can't help her at all. Just she was like, sorry, and walks off. I was like, oh, maybe should add somebody else. Right. Maybe somebody with better eyebrows. Oh, no. <laughs> I just, we really were. Well, I mean, I wasn't old enough to get my eyebrows done yet. I don't think I started getting my eyebrows done until like. 2008 but you people that endured the 2000s with those eyebrows except for Aliyah because her eyebrows are always perfect I feel for y'all because y'all some of y'all ain't still recovered from that some of y'all still got thin eyebrows and it's sad yeah I didn't touch mine until college like senior year college Mm -mm. I remember the first time I ever got my eyebrows done it was thread and I never turned around and looked back (laughs) and people look at me like girl what I'm like yep the first time I ever got my eyebrows done they were threaded I was in the ninth grade and I remember because it was so funny I used to get really bad breakouts by my eyebrow and I remember the lady asked my mom did she want her to do it because I was broken out so bad oh my god mortifying but anyway (laughs) Cass takes a walk home where she sees Luke Wilson, which is, we find out his name is um, Judah, like Father Judah, something like that. We'll learn about him later. Judah, there we go. And <laughs> look, look, listen, this movie all over the place. Elijah, Judah. Right, anybody. Are you reading the Bible today? Low-key, I was not reading the Bible, but I was very into (laughs) church service yesterday. So, you know, that could be rubbing off on me because the message was good, (laughs) y'all. Virtual church be hidden because I can really do whatever I want to do while church is going. Like, virtual church has been the best thing. And I know it was a thing before quarantine. 
but I'm an in-person person. You know but, what the, the funny thing about it? Because I would be like, okay, I'm going to watch virtual service. And my parents would look at, look at me like I was growing a third arm or something. Because if you weren't in the church building, then you weren't going to church. And I'm like, that's not true. Mm-mm. No, I am here for virtual church service. I can get so much done and still listen to the word. Like Margaret White will be thriving. Okay. Let me get off her. Actually, she would probably hate the idea, but I don't know. <laughs> Who knows yeah. what that child would you do? You probably think the internet is the devil. Probably. Probably. Poor Carrie. Oh, my God. Um, we also get like a nod to A Nightmare on Elm Street vaguely with the little jump rope kids. I was like, also, also, this little chant. I wanted to know what their version was. We never said that's not all twice. I have. You say that's not all twice. And then what do you say? Um, wait, I gotta start over. Uh, it was like, da, 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 sitting in the tree. K I S S I N G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes baby, and the baby cares. That's not all. That's not all. The baby's drinking alcohol. We never said that's not all twice. We just literally said that's not all. Yo, baby drinking alcohol. Yeah, and I can't but remember we do like what that. the other one was. The rhyme. Um, we black. We don't mess up rhymes. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I mean like your baby drinking alcohol. It just sounds weird. <laughs> it went. It went. We would say, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes a baby in a baby carriage. But that's not all. Your baby drinking alcohol. And it still went like we never I was like, that's not all what's the second part. I really wanted to hear it. But we don't we don't hear the second part. But yeah, we did it twice. Cass goes back to her apartment, falls asleep. And this is where she gets a vision of Sean. And later on that night, Annabelle date. First of all, sis. You think somebody's approaching your bed and all you going to do is cower and back up. Girl, I would have armed myself something like what 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 was the plan here I don't know what it, it ends up being Annabelle but I'm just like what was you gonna do if it wasn't her also why was your door unlocked you live in Chicago you live in well they're not in Chicago but they're in Illinois you're in Illinois you're in the Midwest we don't play those games you know better lock your door sis anyway Annabelle is trying to you know pull her out of her slump by inviting her to the club to cheer her up, it's really the least she can do, especially considering Cassie was there for Annabelle when her mom died. So, you know, she's just trying to return the favor. Annabelle also introduces Cass to Raven, who literally, Raven, Raven's character, and this is why I'm like kind of conflicted with this movie, because this movie has good elements, but they just don't know what to do with it. So Raven's character is kind of like the character when you first watch it, you're like, okay, evil. You you just already kind of get put in that mindset. But as the movie progresses, you see what Raven's real role is in regard to Cassie. And it makes sense, but they just didn't go about it the right way. And we'll talk about it. But Also, they kind of made me mad with Raven a little bit because Eliza referred to Raven as a he- but really, it was a girl. Right. And then and also, have, that pasty white makeup that Eliza had going on in the scene was creepy in itself. 
And I was about to point that out because I'm trying to figure out were they trying to lay clues? Because I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not being funny. Then that actually was a makeup style to look pale. I know some of you probably can't believe it, but that was a thing. But I noticed it was only she and Matt kind of looked like that too, but not as blatant as her. And Raven already had that look going. So I was trying to figure out where they trying to like tell us without telling us, you know, because that's normally what uh, happens when Maybe, but it was weird because that was the only time that she had a pasty white face like that. Yeah. And that's why I was like, I don't know, like if that's what it's trying to do or not. Like, look at me trying to defend this movie, but. Raven comes in and she's basically stirring shit up with Cassie and ultimately Cass decides that, you know, something's not right and declines not to go out with them. And again, while walking alone at night, she ends up seeing Death Mask, who ends up chasing her again. But when he does finally catch her, it's Sean, which freaks her out as it should. And then it ends up being the priest that we saw earlier. And again, she's in the hospital, but now she's seeing visions of Sean around the hospital room. And this is where, this is where Matt creeped me out. She wakes up in the hospital room. She pans around her room and Matt is just sitting in that chair. <laughs> yeah, he looked creepy as fuck sitting in that chair. Yes, just... like, because like I said, like his eyes are just like, I know you guys can't see me, but he's like bucking his eyes at her. Like they're like open, open. Once again, piercing blue eyes. I'm like, no, it's a no go. Like it's nightmare fuel. I don't like it. But he claims that he's supposed to watch her. I don't know who asked you to do this, but whatever. He won't be attending Harvard this semester. And on this top of that matters now. Right. And even that was you're creepy. All that matters now creepy creepy like I was just like um okay well anyway Cass is good to go she just might have to come back for some tests y'all know doctors they love they test but back in her apartment Matt is doing the most you are dating Annabelle I get y'all friends but include your girlfriend if you about to be shopping for people include your girlfriend if you about to be helping out a female friend like I don't know like or better yet where are her parents where are they? Let them handle this. Like, still filled with grief, though. Cassie explains that, you know, she really just can't rack her brain around what happened and tells Matt that the guy that they hit chased her on campus. Like, she's adamant about it. She's sure this happened. But of course, he doesn't believe her. And he tells her again that, you know, I'm not going to be attending Howard oh. because. Oh, well, we said this. This happened then, but it said then. So I Harvard. Said it. <laughs> well, I say Howard. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, he needs some milk. Later during a midterm, Cassie is struggling, but she's also missing the signs or just choosing to ignore them. I mean, whatever. So when you pay attention to the midterm, you're just seeing all of these ominous texts. Some of them are from signs that we saw earlier in the movie. Some of them are flashbacks to things that were actually said to her, like when she's in the gurney and the doctor's asking how much she had to drink, things like that. And another thing I want to point out, these students are sitting so close to each other during a midterm. I really didn't pay attention to how close they were. 
they're like on top of each other. Like if I wanted to cheat, all I had to do, I don't even have to turn my head to cheat. Like it's a person right there. And I don't know if it's just because like we're in an era of social distancing. So I just feel like people need to be far away from me. But when we took tests in college, like we were spread out. <laughs> like there was no lifeline at all. You were not about to cheat unless you like wrote on yourself or something. But cheating off someone else's paper, it was impossible. Like that just wasn't going to happen. Even at the desk that you can like sit three people to a table, we were still like spread apart. I had cheat sheets, so I didn't have to look on nobody else's stuff. Mm-mm, not you having a cheat sheet during the test. Yeah. Well, okay. So my tests, I didn't really care about English tests, whatever. I was a civil engineering technology major. So I had like formula sheets that I would put inside of my calculator sleeve um, for physics and calculus and all thermodynamics, all the math classes. I always had like a formula sheet because I can never remember formulas to save my life. I knew how to do the problems, but it was just a lot of formulas. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So I had like a little cheat sheet. That would stress me out. And you know what? Somebody else is stressed out because Cass's nose begins to bleed like profusely. It ain't got nothing on the drag me to hell nosebleed, but we ain't talking about that movie right now. But this goes unnoticed by everybody as she has more flashes back to the operation room where her professor now dressed as the surgeon, you know, is kind of testing her, messing with her head. And in the R-rated scene, we actually, you know, he pulls a drill out, but in the R-rated killer cut, we actually see the drill, like, connect with her head and, you know, little spurts of blood, but it ain't that I would have liked to see that. (laughs) After pulling a Nancy Thompson in class, she's met again with the priest, Father Jude, who, you know, he's very sympathetic to her issues and offers her advice and an ear to listen if she ever needs somebody to talk to. After thinking she's seeing Annabelle with the killer trio, Matt pops up out of nowhere, signs her up for the swim team because apparently she's a really good swimmer, and then takes her shopping. Where is your girlfriend? Off playing with Raven somewhere. You're right. But speaking of, she ends up coming over and what started as painting Cassie's apartment turns into a paint fight leading to the most random cringy shower scene (laughs) and it's like I'm all for nonsense but here's the thing Annabelle and Cass get into the shower fully clothed and now you would think like because I know a lot of times when we look at these horror movies or yeah when we look at horror movies there's unnecessary nudity (laughs) Like, there are things that happen that technically would call for somebody to be new, but it's also like, why did we have to see this or why was this important? You know, in this scene, I'm just like, so you couldn't like have them toweled up coming out of the shower. Maybe they're both. And I know she has a studio apartment, so it's not like she has a room room. But if they didn't want to change in front of West, they could have both. I don't know. I don't know. I just want to know why did they have clothes on? That's all why why were their clothes involved like this scene couldn't happen another way like maybe they were getting ready to get in the shower and had this conversation or getting dressed I don't I don't know the point is 
Annabelle's talking to Casey about how, you know, Casey's still with Sean and she needs to like let him go. She needs to be free because Annabelle at this moment, after everything has happened, she feels free and she just wants Cass to feel the same way. But it's okay because they're going to help her get there. And it's not like Annabelle lives here. So what clothes is she about to put on? Because you're soaking wet now. So what's about to happen? Like Cass, she lives here. So she has extra clothes. And I'm pretty sure you probably just borrowed her clothes. But I was just like, I still want to know what was the plan. But anyway, Cass has a little mini freak out in the shower. It's almost like if you've seen Chud, it's like that scene where she looks into the shower drain. It's that whole little situation. But they decide that they don't want to go out tonight, even though Annabelle does. And she decides that she is because she's not about to be stuck up in the house, y'all. That's not her deal. And what ends up happening is Matt spends the night over there. I know you said you were watching me, but I didn't ask for 24-hour guard. Like, why? You're doing a lot. But what ends up happening is Cass dreams about making love to Sean in the woods. It's very tame in the PG version, but in the killer cut, you see a lot more foreplay. You see the clothes coming off and all that happens. It's a lot longer. But it turns out she and Max had sex, y'all. Yes, this man has a whole girlfriend and is up in Cass's bed. And oh my God, the real, the look on her face when she realizes what happened, she is disgusted as she should because why Matt? You said you wanted it. What? You, oh, I, I will come back to him later. Anyway, of course, right on time. Never mind. <laughs> Go ahead. It was, I figured that what that was what was happening. Like in her dream, she was thinking that she was seeing what's his face, but she was really talking to Matt. And that's a little weird. And I mean, they bring that up later. Like he explains, like she vocally said it, but I'm like, you knew she wasn't right emotionally. Like you were preying on her. And no, no, shame on you, Matt. But in the R rated version, um, well, before I get there, Right on time, Annabelle shows up. She can read between the lines very quickly and she leaves. She's pissed as she should. I mean, you know, Matt goes to talk to her, but y'all, we hear we hear the result. In the killer cut, this is where she goes and sees that her grades are missing from the board. But after hearing her name being called and seeing those bloody shoes, she runs out to a phone booth to call her mom and we see a poster of Kathy, the girl from the beginning. And this is where she sees Matt. Um, and this is where she sees Matt with one of the killers. So that's where that happens. But in the PG-13 version, it cuts from her getting caught. Well, not getting caught, but Annabelle popping up to her sitting at the pavilion, having another vision of Sean. Wait, in the PG- you see- so in the PG-13 version, it cuts from that scene to Cass sitting at the pavilion and like Sean is coming around her and he's like, I mean, you came here because I told you to and that's why you're here. So that's when they go out into the woods and he's like asking her to like come with me and just keep holding on versus staying where she is because if she does, she'll die. And this is where we also hear like, I don't know if it's Raven. I don't know if it's Annabelle. I don't know who's calling her. Somebody's calling out to her, but she instead follows the voice instead of going with Sean. 
and she ends up back at the pavilion again. And this is where she sees Matt with the dancer guy. So the cuts are literally just different, don't I? I don't know why they did that. It didn't do any favors <laughs> in my so opinion. Then, so her going and seeing her grave, is that... Later, that was in the PG-13 PG okay. version. In the R version, it happens right here. Yeah, that's what... Yes, that's why I was like, it, it literally does no favors. <laughs> does no weird. favors at all. Yes, and it's, it's more cuts that don't make sense, but we will get to them. So... In the PG-13 version, when she comes back and she peeps Matt with the hideous dancer guy, shortly after, Matt pops up, and this is where he mansplains why they ended up having sex. And like I said, no, you were preying on her. I don't want to hear it, Matt. You knew you was wrong. Meanwhile, Cassie finds Annabelle and Raven sexing in the library. But again, this seems to be a vision. And of course, in the killer cut, it's a lot longer. We see boobs. It's a lot longer. In the beach, in the killer cut, excuse me. Then you think this girl would stop walking alone at night, but clearly she ain't learned her lesson yet. And again, is attacked, but this time by a hideous dancer. And of course, she makes it home to tell Matt. And of course, he doesn't believe her because he thinks that, you know, she just hasn't accepted what has happened and she needs help accepting and completely being on the other side. They keep doing this. And it's like, that kind of tipped me off. And I was like, y'all better not do what I think y'all going to do. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep watching, whatever. Death Mask dang near drowns Cassie in the pool while she's practicing. Because remember, y'all, Matt signed her up for the swim meet. So now she has to practice for this. But again, this turns out to be another vision. In the PG-13 version, this is where we see her checking for her grades and asking why they weren't posted. And he's like, you know, there aren't no grades for this type of test. However, in the killer cut, we go to the scene that I spoke about earlier with her and Sean in the woods. And he's telling her to come be with him while somebody else is calling her in the background. And then she this sees Matt. Weird. Yes, yes. And that's why I'm like, it. why? <laughs> why is this cut like this? I just... Mm, yes. So back to the PG-13 version. Cass goes to, you know, knock on Father Jude's door. And of course, he keeps his promise of lending her comfort, as well as an amulet depicting St. Jude and allowing her to sleep. You know, he, you know how it is. They have those little rooms that people could just rest in, whatever. So this scene, their conversation kind of cements. If you peep where the movie is going, this scene kind of cemented because he's telling her like she's in a world alone where she doesn't understand and it's pretty much on the nose and he's also like well you're not the first person to be here y'all know how the movie turned out and y'all know it's always those people that they talk about are in the middle they haven't figured it out yet so they're just kind of stuck in limbo which is essentially where she is so she wakes up and then she peeps a calendar that says 1981. And she's just like, okay, either this guy has nostalgia problems or he's just not updating his calendars. But I mean, whatever. She goes to look for Father Jude. But instead, she gets Father McManus, who spoke at Sean's funeral in the killer cut. She asks him to speak to Father Jude. But it's told that Father Jude passed in 1981. And while she's trying to gather her confusion... Father McManus proceeds to try to molest her. Yeah. Why? 
at this point i was still confused and i'm like you creepy like you're fucking creep <laughs> and because okay Almost- and even even something happens later and even if you were trying to say he was trying to do that the first time still no why would you do it that way yeah that was weird. but also before that i didn't mention this but who gave dude a right to copy her key like what we did not talk about this like how you even know like now you just got all access passed to my place i copied your key when you were in the hospital sir you're a fucking weirdo <laughs> like what why would you copy my key it's the eyebrows eyebrows and eyes that's what it is because absolutely not but you know what when this scene ends and like you know she swats his hand and she runs off and she's running down like the um not pulpit but y'all know what i'm trying to say she's running out of the church when that gun pops off why did i think somebody popped her i did too to be quiet. I said, I know they did not just shoot this girl in the back. <laughs> but that's not what happens, y'all. It's just a jump cut to the actual swim meet. And of course, she sees Death Mask. It kind of S her up, discombobulates her a little bit. But then, of course, she sees Sean, which gives her like the strength to pull through. And she ends up winning the swim meet. Um, Annabelle is very forgiving because I wouldn't have came. Nothing enough to say, like, period, period. I was kind of confused seeing her up there. I was just like, oh, okay. Well, I right. guess y'all are friends again. No, I wouldn't have been there. So, and then especially after this next scene, because after the swim meet is over, Cass, Matt, and Annabelle go to a bar. And again, Cass is telling them how she saw Sean and that's what helped her. And she also saw Death Mask. But then she gets bold and she starts calling them out because she's like, I be seeing y'all hanging with them. Like, I don't know what y'all doing, but. Y'all need to let me know what's happening. Like, what's going on? So, of course, they gaslighting her, insisting that, you know, she just needs to come with them. Like, we can go to your parents' house. Like, girl, we could just drive. Like, what do you want to do? And Annabelle is getting impatient with Cass's trauma. And she's just like, look, I'm sick of your shit. You was the murderer in this case. You need to get over it because you treating us like we just chop liver over here. And Cass pops her right in the face. First of all, you ain't dare smack her that hard for her to fall up in that table like that. Right. Okay, that was very dramatic. But in the killer cut, Annabelle confirms that she and Raven was boning. And she also drops. And if you look, if you look at the Hulu version, y'all, it's so many F-bombs that they took out of this movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and like over top of it. Yeah, she'd be like, this is screwed, but her lips clearly say the F word. And it's like back to back, like <laughs> I was like, wow, what is this ABC family? Have you guys ever watched Bring It On? On well, I guess it's called Freeform now. But if you've ever watched Bring It On with Hayden Panettiere, or even the first one, when oh, and of course Eliza's in the first one. Um, when you watch the first one and Missy Pantone is walking away from Torrance and she's like, get out the car, I'm gonna whoop your butt. <laughs> That butt takes me out every time because it's a whole different person's voice. Uh, I'm, I hope you guys had a good laugh at that because I'm laughing by myself for this guy. <laughs> also, why why did Annabelle run out of that bar like that? She ran fast. 
them arms was swinging. I'm like, yeah. sis, you didn't have to run out like that. Like we all saw you hit the table. You might as well just revel in the embarrassment. I mean, I don't know, like whatever. But I also thought it was a nice touch to have the um, two little kids in the devil and angel outfit pop out. I thought that was cute. That was the the only jump scare that got me. Really? Yeah, it got me. Back in the locker room, Cass finds her locker filled with blood splattered everywhere, missing posters with her face on them, and then her little dinosaur that she grabbed at the beginning that I definitely thought was a ripoff of Rex from New Nightmare, if you know, you know. But the dinosaur is beheaded, and I'm just like, that's rude. You don't do that. See, you could have at least just had it hanging. You didn't have to. I didn't even know. I didn't even know what happened because in the PG 13 version, it just went so fast. I didn't see if they. Yeah, because they try to, like, the locker is very bloody. So they really don't hold it on it. It's held just a teens longer in the killer cut. It's not that deep, but yeah, it does go fast. This ends up leading to another chase from death mask and this time she defends herself with a tube of a fluorescent lamp she ends up stabbing him in the stomach which y'all know mercury humans not a good mix in the killer cut the tube like fills up with blood like it's kind of cool but yeah pg-13 version y'all don't get no blood like it'd be all on the floor and stuff in the killer cut yeah it's not like that in the pg-13 one but when cassie returns with matt there is no body in the pool. And I just knew when they fell in that pool and like the, the blood was going everywhere and the mass fell to the bottom of the pool. I was like, oh, great. She got them. Like, she, they not going to think she crazy. They get to that pool and it is clean as a whistle, y'all. And also, I got It Follows vibes. If you've seen It it Follows, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I was just like, there was a body in this pool. Like, I know. Mm -mm. Corrine did not clean that that quick. The way she stabbed him, like, he's definitely dead. But she saw what she saw. But now she really thinks that Matt and Annabelle are conspiring against her with the trio. And Cassie's just like, you know what? take me home. Why did you ask Matt to take you home? If you think they're conspiring against you, why would you tell him take you home at all people? Girl, I would have found somebody, you know, it's always people going home. I would have found somebody else. I would have called my parents myself to come get me like that. Wasn't she did. I mean, she did, but I'm like, not at that point. She's like, Matt, take me home. I'm talking about then I would have called my parents. Man, she done left them a voice message. She called them another time and it was just static. Like she like the what not static. It's that um dial tone. That no, not the dial tone, but it's that noise where someone's on the internet. It's a totally different type of tone. Yeah. I know what you mean. Like she tried. She called her parents twice. And Mm-mm. they never called her back. She was like, what, what, what was she supposed to do? Mm-mm. she needs to try again you know parents don't answer on the first two calls <laughs> uh-uh. my mama would have been if i call, she saw i had a missed call and i was at school uh she would have called me back asap because oh, no. when that girl <laughs> i almost got into a fight with this girl she was about to hop in the car and drive eight hours to see me because i almost fought this girl not eight hours <laughs> eight hours she was hopping in the car and was like johnny i'm coming i'm so like <laughs> my, my mom will be to me in a heartbeat First of all, I'm mad that's the time your mama will rise up for you. 
listen, I have to tell y'all a story. Um, she is quick. If I don't answer the phone, especially when I was back living in the house, if I didn't answer the phone at a specific interval, she was calling everybody. Like I was, um, I was talking to this guy and I was supposed to go to communion after I went to brunch. So, <laughs> Not and, Alice, sweet Alice. Right. I was supposed to go to communion after I went to brunch. Commun- our communion at my church is at 6.30 o'clock at night on, on every fourth Sunday. So I went to brunch that day. It was a brunch that actually Ashley and her boyfriend was throwing. Um, I went to the brunch, got super drunk, um. went to a guy's <laughs> house, and actually ended up drinking some more and ended up falling asleep and missing communion my mom texts me and was like hey where you at I didn't respond in five minutes so she calls me I'm like knocked the fuck out she calls again another a minute later I still don't answer girl she done called my godmother my godmother called my young adult leader because I served in young adult ministry like she called the young adult leader she done called everybody I woke up 15 minutes later and saw all these missed calls and stuff. And I was just like, wow, because I didn't respond in five minutes. She thought that I was dead somewhere. The only people that are allowed to question my whereabouts is Stephanie. And that's my oldest sister. That's it. No one else is allowed to ask me questions. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, before we go on a tangent, what ends up happening is Matt drives Casey to the club, the club in Gary, y'all, that church. And... I'm just like, ma'am, you didn't realize y'all wasn't heading towards home that whole time before y'all get there. I be knowing when we not going where we supposed to go. And I'm going to say something like you're going to wait till we pull up. And then he's like, well, I just got to get Annabelle. I would have hopped in that driver's seat and been like, look, we leaving or we not like I'm about to go. But Cassie ends up following him inside the club, getting lost, eventually finding Annabelle with Raven in the killer cut. We see a little bit more of what's implied in the PG-13 version that confirms that, yes, that is what's happening, if you understand what I mean. But in the PG-13, it's only implied. Um, Raven tells Cassie that she needs to leave or she'll die. And first of all, I'm like, you will never insult my girl talking about go back to the Adams family. Bitch, gladly. I didn't think Raven was bad. I mean, she was crazy but she didn't really do nothing she was just there the thing is and i'll just say this now raven is supposed to be somebody that's telling Cass to live like the whole time we're thinking that raven is an evil person like you know obviously she caused the accident blah 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 but in the grand scheme of things raven is the one telling cassie that she doesn't belong with the dead even though everybody else is trying to get her to come with them to die and I thought that was cool, but they just don't do it justice. That's all. And it's not the actress. It's the writing. So it's not her. But back in the car, Matt drunkenly insists on another goodbye forever kiss. And he oh, he is really on one. Again, guilting her because he decided not to go to Harvard. No one asked you to stay here and take care of her. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you understand what all of this means. But We didn't ask you to do this, okay? He's about to straight up assault her again until she smashes a bottle on his head, knocking him unconscious and kicking him out the car before she drives off. And I'm like, see, 
This is the energy. Now, y'all, I'm about to tell y'all, this entire scene pissed me off, but I'm going to try to tell you without regard that it pissed me off. And I will explain why it pissed me off. Here we go. She then pulls up to the pavilion where, you know, we've seen this pavilion all through the movie. There's been an accident. Walking up, she witnesses these missing posters of the trio, along with Matt and Annabelle, as well as seeing Annabelle dying under the pavilion and making a final confession saying that Cass is the murderer. Note, she also has on the same outfit that we like met her in from the very beginning of the movie when they went to the club. So in full shock, Cass backs up into the street and gets Regina George or Terry, whichever one you prefer. Father Jude approaches her, offering assistance. And, you know, she listens to him and she ends up again in the hospital. Now, time out, time out. Let me tell you why this upset me. First off, why was that the scene of the accident? Because clearly the accident happened in the middle of the highway. So why didn't she drive up to like the road being blocked and then she like walks up on the scene of the accident? I don't know why this took place in the pavilion. It also would have made more sense for her to get hit by an oncoming car if this was in the middle of the highway. Because even though in Mean Girls and in Final Destination, the buses both come out of nowhere and we'll talk about that when we get there. But it makes more sense because how are all those people there and y'all let this girl get hit by a bus? Also, the music in this scene was sending me. I don't know if you paid attention to the music, but it was effing sending me because it was making it so dramatic. And the police officers, why were they rolling up on this girl like this was Thriller? A lot was happening in the scene. <laughs> it was so much happening in this scene for nothing, literally for no reason it really upset me but anyway also also homegirl this girl's head is leaking on the ground like how did she even make it to the surgery room I mean her head was leaking y'all like that's the most blood you get in the PG-13 version but anyway she ends up having a freak out in the like hospital and she's running through the halls the lights are flashing she's having visits She's having visions of the accident, bloody shoes, bodies of all the dead people. She like literally runs into Hideous Dancer while he's like on the like autopsy table. Then she runs into Annabelle like being pronounced dead. You know, they put the blanket over the body once it's over. She ends up waking up on a gurney and next to her is Raven who speaks those final words of comfort saying like, you know, you need to pull through before she herself dies. Father McManus. Here we go once again. Why did you have to dig down her shirt to get that necklace out? You just could have pulled out her chain. Yeah. Things started making sense here for me. I mean, it's the end of the movie. It better have started making sense or else we just wasted our time. But in the PG-13 version, um, Father Jude, as I say, you know, he explains everything saying like this has just been an experience, kind of like a coma dream. In the original accident, Casey and Sean actually survived while Matt and Annabelle were killed. You know, the trio in the other car, they obviously died too. But the last two days, Cassie has spent like her time in the astral state, kind of like in limbo, like I was saying earlier. And everybody who was killed in the accident, except for Raven, were trying to like 
get her to cross over with them. So like I said, she was stuck in limbo. The only thing that was keeping her alive basically was Father Jude kind of like guiding her. He kind of could have went anyway, like whichever way she wanted to go, but he needed her as a guide. She needed him as a guide. And also the visions of Sean, where, you know, he's like telling her, come with me. I don't want to lose you. Whole time we thinking like he's trying to get her to like die when really he's trying to get her to live. And I was like, oh, but Father Jude asked if she would be willing to die in order to save Sean's life. She agrees. And then he asked her if she would be willing to live for him. She says that she doesn't want to die and then awakes in a hospital room with her parents and Sean by her side. She says, I've heard all of you talking to me. No, you didn't. Girl, your parents ain't answer you not once. We ain't hear from your parents not once in this entire movie. You did not hear all of them. You only heard Sean. And that was it. <laughs> because even, okay, even those other times when we hear her voice being called by a woman, it's either Annabelle or Raven. Like, that was not your mom's voice. That was nowhere near the same voice. But anyway... In the killer cut, Casey is in her room looking at the necklace that um, Father Jude gave her. The two killers dressed up as nurses enter the room and Casey is like sitting with her back to the door. So, you know, she can't really recognize them. And she asks one of them to help her put on the necklace. And one of the killer reaches for the necklace and starts just strangling her. And she tries to like fight and like free herself, but she doesn't, you know, she don't have a chance. But what ends up happening is she wakes up because it's all a dream. It's a nightmare. And Sean wakes up next to her and is like, um, is comforting her, you know, trying to like get her to calm down. And that, my friends, was Soul Survivors PG-13 and the Killer Cut. I didn't like it. Ah. Uh. I felt like she was missing. To me, it was all over the place. And then, like I mentioned earlier, I was confused because I was like, I, visually, I knew Raven was a girl. But then, at some point in the movie, um, Annabelle referenced, like, said he for Raven. And I was like, what? And then when I like watched other things and they were like, yeah, it was a lesbian scene and all this other stuff. And I'm like, okay, so it's clearly a girl. I I'm just, I, I don't know. The first time I watched, y'all know me, I'm not being agent pooper scooper. I'm just here for the ride trying to, if I figure things out, I just figure things out. But more often than not, I'm not trying to. I kind of caught it, but I was just like, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. But at the end, I was like, um, I mean, I could have seen that coming. The second watch is when I was really clocking a lot of stuff. Like, you know, how we talked about Annabelle being pale after the accident. Or every time that Annabelle would talk to Cassie, it was always about having to pull her out of something or having to get her to join the living. Like, it was always like little words like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just thought that I mean, I figured that the the um the three creepy people who caused the accident, I figured that they were dead and that right. she was just tripping balls and whatever. But right. the fact that she was like in a whole coma dream, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it just didn't do it. 
it didn't do what I want. I don't know. I don't know what I wanted from this movie. But, but what I wanted was not this. Yeah. And even like I said, the killer cut, as I was explaining it to you, and you even said, like, what? Like, why did they do that? And that's exactly how I felt watching it. I was just like, well, I I can't even defend it. I can't defend it. I can't. You know me, Johnny. I'm always trying to be Captain Defender Ho. And I could not defend this at all. But it was confusing. Oh, child. We weren't the only ones that thought so because it got a 3.9 out of 10 on IMDb, a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, you heard me correctly. And a 20% on Metacritic. Ooh, child. <laughs> what do you rate 2001's Soul Survivors? Um, I give it a 30. 30 tickets. I thought you were about to say 20. I am going to. I mean, I almost did. It was on the tip of my tongue to say 20. But I liked it better than Honeymoon, if that's... Oh, well. I know, right? Oh, okay. I think... I don't know. I just think you and Honeymoon just got, like, a, a little thing between y'all. <laughs> I don't, but this, this was dumb. But, like, I don't know. You know what? Actually, I take it back. I'm going to give it 20. Because they were both dumb. Well, uh... <laughs> I'm going to give this 35 tickets. The reason why I give it the 35 is because of the killer cut, even though I said the killer cut really ain't doing no favors, but at least they gave me a little bit of blood. And I would have liked to see some blood. Yeah, the killer cut makes the movie more of a horror movie and the PG-13 version keeps it in the realm of psychological thriller. And one thing I noticed is a lot of the early 2000 movies that try to do that psychological thriller thing, either it worked or it don't work. And in this case, it didn't work. And I mean, y'all can try to blame because it came out a few days before 9-11. I don't think that would have mattered. I don't think that would have saved this. Like, I, granted, um, it made everyone forget about it, but like, mm. I am right with you. I am right with you. You ready to hit the souvenir shop? Please. I don't <laughs> even want the souvenirs. It seems you survived. Well, before you go, join us in the souvenir shop. As I've mentioned before, you guys can purchase the Killer Cut on Amazon. It's literally a few bucks. It's a pretty little holographic DVD case. Mine is on the way. I just wanted it just because, I mean, it was only like $6. It wasn't hurting nobody. I probably could still get mad and throw it out. <laughs> well, don't waste your time. Just <laughs> leave it where it is. Um, I know we talked about this cover, but I'm going to talk about it again. Very blue. Because for some reason in the early 2000s, everything was blue. <laughs> Whose face is on the back of this thing? Whose face is that? It might be one of the weirdos. And I was thinking that, like, I was thinking maybe it's Death Mask, but I don't think it's him. And it's definitely not Hideous Dancer because his face is I think it might scarred. be West. Because look at the eyebrow bones. 
I am looking at the eyebrows, but then I'm looking at the eye pupils and I'm like. He could have contacts in, but I'm saying like that eyebrow bone, that eyebrow yeah. bones look the same. I don't know. And I'm like, it's definitely not Raven because it's not her. But yeah, that was bothering me for a second because I couldn't figure out who this was supposed to be. If this is going to be like an important person to the story, like, is it the killer? Like, you know, but anyway, as we've told y'all 20,000 times, main characters all the way in the back. Eliza's in the front and everybody else is in the front but her. But there's an alternate poster that's like more red and black that's probably the one that you all have seen for the promo she not even on it she's not on it at all and then that one has like it's another face in the back once again who who knows whose it is that, but, that looks like um the mask dude with the with the plastic mask i can see that i can see that this one has a shard of glass and it would have made more sense if they had to just use the little cult symbol and just put their pictures inside of the little cult symbol. But this is not my movie. It's not my art. Whatever. That's the cover art for this movie. But yeah, that's all I got. Well, folks, that was the worst horror movie ever made in mankind. A stellar cast used horribly. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I don't know, Donna. You might want to hold your breath with that one because I, oh I think we can do worse. Yeah, I know. I definitely think that there can be worse than this. And I'm just telling you, know, you I've had a conversation with a few people on like, what is a horror movie that you know is terrible, but you love it and you force people to watch it. And you got really lucky, Donna, because I could not fit any of the movies into season two. I badly wanted to. <laughs> I mean, you can still watch the movies, but I'm going to put myself out there. Um, there's a movie called The Bye Bye Man. It's terrible, but it is a guilty pleasure that I enjoy watching because it is so bad. Like, it is bad. And I can't remember if it came out in 2017 or 18, but it's terrible. It's another movie called Wish Upon. It has Joey King in it. Another movie that I can't remember is between 2017 and 19. Actually, might have came out before then, actually, but it's bad. It's so bad. Um, Chud from the 80s. I was talking to Ray from the from the Carpenter Queens. They love that movie too. I love that movie too. It's bad, but I love it. It's a whole bunch of other movies. Y'all tell me what are some horror movies that you know are bad. But you, you're going to watch it regardless. Please go over to our Twitter and tell me what it is. Because I just want to know. And I'm going to tell y'all the rest of mine, too. But without further ado, we can get these park announcements started. You ready? I'm ready. Oh, wow. We're almost done with the month. I didn't even realize that. Okay, well. We only have one more movie left in our Anything But college soiree and our final movie we're actually doing final exam this 1981 movie is now available on tubi 
for the free. And the last time that I checked, it was on Amazon Prime. Don't quote me if it's not on there. Don't beat me up because Tubi is right there. I really enjoyed this movie. It's a product of the 80s. And I personally just think it's a really good time. So I'm excited for John A to see it. Of course, you can always hook up with us on our IG page. That is at D180podcast. Same handle for Twitter at D180podcast. And y'all can just talk to us on there. We're always on there. Please leave us a review wherever you're listening. We've expanded the platforms that you can actually listen to us on. So as of now, you can listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher for all my Android users, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Cast. So there is literally no excuse. Don't be that person that be like, well, where can I listen to your podcast, baby? We everywhere. Not everywhere, but dang near. Go ahead and leave us a review. Tell us if you like what we're doing. If you want to submit a survivor submission, you can send those to the email too. And again, that is Destination 180 Podcast at gmail.com so hit us up y'all don't forget next week we are wrapping up anything but college with 1981's final exam in that case we'll see you soon survivors well yeah man this movie gave me a bad taste in our mouth for calling our Girl, survivors if you don't say bad it is oh wait a minute you are right Exactly. I didn't even, wow, soul survivors. Well, y'all know y'all are different type of survivors, so it's okay. <laughs> Love y'all. Bye. All right. I'm about to say, we don't say bye to these people. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>